0: Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. Welcome to Look at My Records. What's today's date? December 22nd, 2018. Here on Radio Free Brooklyn. We kicked off the show with a song by my guest today, Lenny Zenith. It's the title track off of his brand new solo album, which came out in June of this year, What If the Sun? And then we played the anchor by The Minutemen, set off of What Makes a Man Start Fires." Sadly, it is the... 33rd anniversary of uh D Dennis Boone's untimely passing. Of course, the guitar player of the legendary band The Minutemen, and he has definitely missed. But here I am with Lenny Zenith today. It's great to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing
1: good. I'm a little bit uh fuzzy after last night's gig, but I'm I'm happy to be here. did the get go? Me. It went well. We really uh, you know, we we're down to a power trio, even though we had a lot of guests on the on our actual record and uh, we're going to be adding another member soon. But it was good. We played with some bands that we'd never played with and at the new refurbished Coney Island Baby, which is very cool.
0: Yeah, it's a great spot. They kept a lot of the same charm that the place (laughs) had previously as Hi-Fi. I'd never been to it as Brownies. It was Brownies before that. But I'm excited to have you here. Tell me a little bit about, before we get into your new record, What If the Sun... Someone that I know through the taping community described you as a New Orleans punk legend, Jonathan Wolf. I don't know if you. Oh, know Oh no, guy. yeah, I do know Jonathan real well.
1: So, he may have recorded that XTC show. As yeah, a of fact. so
0: he's a guy that I know through the taping community. But tell me a little bit about your your roots in music, coming up in the New Orleans music scene in the the early '80s. How'd you start playing music in bands? It's really crazy because my my dad was a preacher,
1: my mom was from Cuba, and she's a pianist and a singer, and so I listen to a lot of church music, I don't know, Uh, and then I stumbled across a woman named Lee Harris, whose record I just put out, um, she goes by Little Queenie, really awesome blues, jazz, rock singer who had this really inimitable style. And I was inspired by her and, and tried to imitate her for a long time because she just had this real soul. And um and then I started to go out to see punk bands because I was in a music program at the creative arts school NOCA and uh I saw this band, The Normals, which are legendary in New Orleans as like the definitive punk band of New Orleans. They should have been huge. Um they were the closest that we got to, you know, I don't know, undertones, uh, Clash, Pistols, Ramones. I mean, but they were just uniquely excellent. And they had great vocals and they rocked. They had a great sound, but they also had great melodies. And they could get the crowd just rocking. And I said, I want to do that. I don't want to go to music school. I don't want to play jazz. I don't want to, you know, study theory. I want to do that. And so then I just put together these little three piece, four piece bands with whoever I could find and and we got lucky. People liked what we were doing. It was kind of a little bit offbeat. And then we started getting uh invited to open for all these bands like X D C and you know, Ian Hunter and Ultravox and Gang of Four and you know, it was yeah. like I had no idea how big these bands would become and how how you know legendary they would become. Tell
0: tell me about some of your earlier projects. I've really been diving into uh, listening to your solo record that you put out this year, but also checking out some of the stuff you were involved in early on in your career. There's a great YouTube clip of you playing on public access TV in New Orleans, Lenny Zenith and Pop Combo, and also RZA. What type of music were you playing? It sounded a little more pop-oriented, the combo, something more along the lines of, Uh, It reminded me of The Individuals, which is a Hoboken band from back in the day, stuff like that.
1: I don't know The Individuals, but, you know, I always kind of cringe a little bit when people call me punker. I think what was punk about it was, like, my early stuff is that it was raw. None of us really knew how to play. It was always loud. And we were... But we were never that edgy, you know, I'd always wanted to be more edgy, but because I came from a pop radio background or AM radio background, my stuff always ended up sounding really pop. So it was definitely more on the new wave tip. But uh, I'm playing still with the pop combo guys from New Orleans. We have a show on Friday. But it's, you know, now it's actually coming back into vogue, that sound. So... It kind of works out because we're a little bit harder than we used to be because we got better amps and better guitars and we can play. But we still maintain some of the you know, pop charm of, you know,
0: it's funny because it definitely is coming back into Vogue. You hear Vogue, you hear a lot of bands, especially in Brooklyn, have that like jangle sound to them and kind of like channeling that. But so you started out in New Orleans and then you wound up in New York. You had a band called Jennifer Convertible. And a couple of other projects. How'd you, what was your path to get to New York, basically? How'd you wind up here?
1: Well, I had just broken up with a girl and I had to get out of town. And I moved here and I didn't know what exactly to do. Uh, So I just looked in the time Village Voice and ended up in a rockabilly band playing, rehearsing the music building. But I was still writing my own music, which, as it was pointed out to me, sounded dated. I was like, Well, yeah, I was playing in the eighties and now it's the nineties, and I you know I kind of stopped listening to college radio and independent radio for a while, um just out of frustration with you know having been a musician for so long and still having to work a desk job, so I kept writing my own music and I started to meet these people on the New York scene and playing you know clubs like Kenny's Castaways and The Red Lion, which you know where you start off, but what I really want to do was play at Brownie's and CBGBs, (laughs) you know, and I was like, how can I, you know, get up to that, you know, and so I just started uh, listening back to some music that I had missed out on, Um, and, and the sounds of New York, because it's so gritty, and grimy, and loud, and noisy, just kind of permeated the writing process, and I think that came out of the music, and then a lot of the guys that I ended up playing with would turn me on to bands that I hadn't heard before, and so I just kind of played all of that into uh, Jennifer Convertible. And then we were lucky enough to record with Wharton Tears, who, of course, oh, did wow. Helmet, wow. Yeah. Sonic Youth, Early Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., um, Quicksand, um, bands that I was listening to at the time. So.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, Wharton Tears. Wow. That's really so, cool.
1: so the, you know, the noisiness of the 90s <clears throat> sort of got married to the poppiness of what I was doing in the 80s. And I feel really fortunate to have had a you know pretty decent career in New Orleans, opening for all these bands. I mean the replacements, Iggy Pop, U two, and then having another life in the nineties, um, playing with you know uh, all the East Village people and play at CBGBs and go to you know Canada and Washington. You know, so
0: tell me about what those experiences were like early in your career, opening for all of these bands, playing with. I read you played with you two on a boat. Yeah, right? on a river boat. <laughs> on a river boat. XTC, uh, X, The Gun Club. Or these are just a lot of the bands that oh, you right, played with right. in the eighties. Uh, what did it? How did it feel to play with those bands so early in your career? And what did you take away from it? Well, you didn't know at the time. You know, when these bands came through, the replacements
1: came through in I think their parents' white station wagon. And they drew a pretty good crowd. The uh, I was working at a record store at the time and this guy booked us and they were so loud that after we played our set and probably everybody drunk, right? and drunk. Yeah. <laughs> after we played our set, everybody left the club and yeah. listened to them from outside because it was just blisteringly loud. Yeah. So that was left an impression for sure. And you didn't know that you didn't know that Well, I knew who Iggy Pop was, and the woman I was dating at the time was friends with him and said, oh, can my boyfriend open for you? And he's like, sure. Nicest guy, great set, and that was on a riverboat, too. And he just, Carlos Alomar is playing guitar, and he was wearing a black mini dress with a spider on it, garter belts and pantyhose. And at one point, he just, you know, ripped the dress in half and he's standing there in bikini underwear <laughs> and, you know, you're thinking, wow, okay, this guy is a legend. And, and this was even before he was a legend because yeah. we're talking, you know, over 30, almost 30 years ago. Um, So you thought, you know, when you saw these bands getting huge and touring, you're like, oh, that's what I want to do. I, I wish that I could do that. But things happen and, you know, uh, people don't exactly get what you do, I think. Uh, The songwriting was pretty strong, but people had a hard time categorizing me, I think. You know, because I I just write so many different kinds of songs, I guess.
0: Yeah. And tell me, fast forward to 2018, Mm -hmm. you put out your your first solo record, even though you've had a long Mm -hmm. career playing in bands. Tell me why, why'd you decide to release a solo record at this point in your career? Um... That's a good question.
1: I had been, you know, pretty much the writer, the sole writer, the primary writer, at least. At Jennifer Convertible, we became a lot more collaborative towards the end. I had been the sole writer and I had, um, you know, had RZA and I had Minor Planets and I had Tenterhooks and I had Jennifer Convertible. And I said, you know what? People know who Lenny Zenith is. People in New Orleans know Lenny Zenith and... Unfortunately, they don't know any zenith here in New York, so our draw hasn't been as good as it was uh, under Jennifer Convertible. But um, I'm also writing a memoir yeah. about my life as a transgender yes. man, and I was hoping that the
0: two would kind of feed each other. And so the record does delve into some of those things about your identity, Um Talk about that a little bit, and why you wanted to get it out there on the record. well, it's never been my
1: primary uh writing inspiration you know I don't write I do write about myself a lot <laughs> and you know I don't know why um and so my life experience as a transgender man uh informs the stuff I write about, but I thought that I should be more vocal about it and you know there's only like a couple of lines and a couple of songs that actually touch on that, but my entire life experience as a transgender person informs my writing. Now Jennifer Convertible did have what my friend called once the first transgender anthem, uh, the car song, which was a big you know pretty popular song on the college radio back in the '90s, and it says you know I used to be a car Detroit factory Chevrolet, new parts and body work make me what I am today. And it's a sort of roundabout, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, maybe, um, oh, God, I'm sp- Laura, um, she's against me. I can't think of her name right now. Jane, Laura Jane Jean Grace. Jane, Jane Grace, Grace, right. Yeah, Jane Grace, um, yeah. Came out with, you know, Tranny Blues, you know, and uh, Ryan Otto-Casada came out with something called Daughter that's doing really well. It's not been specifically about um, – Trans.
0: And you also put this record out on your own label, XYYX Records, with a focus on elevating voices of other trans artists. How important is that to you to make sure these voices are elevated and heard?
1: I think it's really important because so many people don't understand the transgender experience. And uh, even in the queer community, there are some people that still are put off by it or don't get it. And there are a lot of very talented non-binary, gender non-conforming people who are doing some really great art. And I thought, you know what, if I can create a small home for some of those people, although not exclusively, um, I will do what I can. I don't have a budget really to, to speak of, but I do know how to promote records and I do know how to, you know, put them online and get them out into the store. So Right after my record was released, uh, this brilliant artist from uh, Bournemouth, England, uh, Ethereal, her name is Yui Carlberg, sent me her stuff. And I was wowed. It's very ambient, very ethereal, as her name, uh, persona, suggests. Um, it reminded me a little bit of Sigur Rós and maybe Bon Iver and a couple of other artists. And I just saw it. This is really great, and I have to put it out. And the quality of it, as a solo artist, she did all the parts herself and had it recorded by someone there in, in Bournemouth, England. Uh, And it's doing fairly well. I mean, I'm just very impressed with her artistry, and, and I hope to find other trans artists. Um, Even though my friend Little Queenie is not transgender, she's been very supportive of me my entire life and very inspirational to me. And now that she's in hospice... I felt very fortunate to be able to put out her record, Purple Heart. That's
0: wonderful. That's really yeah. wonderful. And what are the future plans for the label? Any other releases coming up next year? We're about to turn the page to 2019. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm still
1: looking for artists, to be honest. Um, that would be interested in working with me. I've had a couple other reach out. Um, I'm just pouring over their material because I want it to be good. Yeah, you know. And so it's gender cross gender cross genre so i don't care you know if it's classical or ambient or folk or punk you know but i would like you know it to be good music
0: that's awesome and i'm looking forward to seeing what you put out next through the label let's play some songs from your new record what oh, if the sun Thank we you. played the title track at the top what if the sun to start the program out but i have stress test sunday dress and whatever stella cued up three of my favorite songs from the record. I really like, uh, stress test. A lot. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about those songs. Is that your girlfriend's favorite? <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> um,
1: you know, stress test is about the, st- where are you from originally? Uh, New York. Okay. So it's about <laughs> the stress of living in New York, you know, um, and not being able to get together with the band because it's snowing or this guy had another gig or it's raining or, uh, you know, and you have to start over again, um, you know, and you say, let's not think too much about how we screwed up last time, let's just keep moving forward, and and New York, in and of itself, is a stress test.
0: Yeah, oh, for <laughs> sure, for sure, but we're we're passing, I think, with fine colors. I think we're doing here. pretty good, just that we're here on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, and then Sunday Dress and whatever, Stella?
1: Sunday Dress uh, is actually about Detroit, I wrote it... Um, when I was in a band called Minor Planets and I just had to re-record it because it's never been released. And it's about, you know, the struggle of working and unemployment, you know, and a lot of people are struggling with that. And, uh, you know, harassment on the workplace and people just trying to get by, Yeah, you know, in a work day life,
0: working class life. And whatever, Stella, to round out the set.
1: <laughs> that one's a tough one because I can't I can't call out the person that it's about. Gotcha. But uh, you know, some people uh, like to have a um, little bit of control and can be mean to you, you know, and manipulative when they're trying to get what they want. And that's when I just kind of wave them off and say, "Whatever, Stella."
0: <laughs> well. No one's going to be saying whatever, Stella, to you after they hear these three awesome songs, Great. by Thank the you. way. And I'm looking forward to sharing these three songs with everyone. We got Stress Test, Sunday Dress, and whatever, Stella, off of Lenny Zenith's 2018 solo album, What If the Sun. Everyone could get that through Bandcamp, right? Yeah, and iTunes and Amazon and, and Google. On, yeah. And yeah. It's yeah. available for streaming on Spotify yeah. as well. Your bandcamp, dot Zenith.bandcamp.com. That's it. Awesome. It's available on vinyl, CD, digital download. Here we go. Enjoy. Stress test, everyone.
2: it's like i never see your face you've got mountains of work to do it'd be so easy if we just make time i check my email every 10 in english every 5 you'd never think Bye.
0: Whatever Stella by Lenny Zenith. We just heard three tracks from solo album, but who are you playing with? Tell me. <laughs> who's who's well, in your band right now? Yeah,
1: I have to definitely give props to the, the players. James Pertusi, who's one of my dearest friends, and, and you know, we've played together for years. Uh he was in Jennifer Convertible. He does a bang up job and he sings on this. And then the drummer Scott Campbell, who's been hanging in there with me since Tenter Hook's days. Um, and then Ben Collins flew in from Ypsilanti, Michigan to lay down some guitar tracks. And Ray Ketchum, who produced it, who I've also been friends with and worked with a lot in the 90s. He's in a great band called Elk City. Uh, Renee Laboue, who is also in Elk City, came and hung out in the studio. And they both brought this really positive, uplifting energy to the sessions. I saw them last night and thanked them for everything they brought to the record because... They're immensely creative. So it was a collaborative process where it became not just me. It was them saying, well, wait a minute. Why don't you try that? And then Renee would get up and sing some vocals, harmonies. And then we'd throw in a, a tambourine part. And then they are like, oh, let me call the keyboard player. And, oh, Claudia Chopek, she plays violin. Let's bring her in. And it, it just became this organic kind of creative endeavor. And that's what came out.
0: Yeah, and it sounds great. <laughs> Again, you. we heard... Stress Test, Sunday Dress, whatever, Stella. Shout out to all those wonderful people that contributed to this great record. But now we're transitioning to the second part of the program where you picked some records from my record collection. And we're going to talk about them. And we're going to play some songs from them. Starting off with Bandwagon-esque by Teenage Fan Club. I believe you selected Metal Baby. Great song from the record. Yeah, And... We were talking how a lot of bands, this sound is coming back into vogue for sure, that Teenage Fan Club kind of uh, power pop, indie pop sound.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that I stuck with it because now I'll get to ride the uh, third wave <laughs> of this uh, kind of music, you know, power pop making a, a big comeback
0: yeah, lately. And, and tell me do you, how much do you like do you love Teenage Fan Club. Um, do you remember when you first heard them, stuff like that?
1: yeah a friend of mine uh turned me onto to them and you know along about the about the same time as um the posies and I loved the idea again of this pure pop sound with these heavy guitars that you know sort of telegraph this intensity um that reminded me in some ways of the normals you know it was like very hooky, great Super harmonies hooky, yeah. Great harmonies, which I'm a sucker for, and then this bossa wall like uh, guitar sound that you know often has been tried to be imitated, but not everybody succeeds. So it, it definitely creates a mood when you put those elements together. And plus, they were really
0: cute. Yeah, they were. They're they a band of cuties for sure, they were. and I think they still are cute. Uh, no, just kidding,
1: guys. I saw them recently, um, oh maybe a couple of years ago in Brooklyn, and I don't know. I don't think the club let them turn up loud enough. That was my opinion. At Warsaw, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. That uh, my friend Holy Tunics. We were talking about them during the break. Open. That's the show that. Uh, yeah, right, right, for right. Them. Yeah, great local band. Check them out uh butter dish is their album that came out this year it's awesome oh let's check that one out later for sure and after that i was very happy with this selection because xcc is one of my absolute favorite bands this is the demos of apple venus volume one which came out in 1999 they released a demo album of all the demos for that and the companion album that came out shortly after apple venus volume two right there's demos both of them available and you picked i liked that which is a great great song from this record you got to open for xtc in 1980 uh definitely a very different sounding band as to what's on this record sure, back then sure. but what was that like what was it like playing with xtc at that time i had i barely had an idea of who they were i think
1: uh Helicopter and Making Plans for Nigel were big on the radio at the time. And I loved that. And uh, Ed White, who was booking the Old Man Rivers in New Orleans, called and said, hey, you know, do you want to open for this band from England? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it was very intimidating because we just had our kind of very simplistic poppy punk songs and but. You know, I think because I had gone to music school, they had like a, they had a little bit of a twist to them that separated from the rest and were a little bit quirky. But then when XDC got on stage and they played, which I was able to find a recording of that exact show online, I was amazed and, and even more in awe of them before because I don't think, I mean, I think at this point, a lot of people realize the intricacy, intricacy of their writing uh, and their musicality and Andy Partridge's talent. Um, but at the time, I was a little too young and too green to realize what I was witnessing at the time. And I
0: like, had the same experience with XTC, uh, interesting enough. I had uh, my late uncle tried to turn me on to them when I was maybe 12 or 13 years old with Apple Venus Volume 1 because it had just come out in sure. 99 around when I was that age, and I just didn't get it. But yeah. he was like, you'll get it when you're older. And I certainly got it when I was older in a huge way. And you were also saying that listening to the, I guess, the demos on this song kind of reminds you of your own songwriting process. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, repeat that. (laughs) You said uh, listening to this record, I'd like that. You said it kind of reminds you of your own songwriting process. Yeah,
1: because if you listen to these demos, you know, a lot of writers would never put something out like that, but you know, they are very meticulous in what they do. I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit more sloppy. But, you know, most songs start off with this very rough process where you, you know, spin up the tape, press the cassette, record and play button, or turn on the computer now. And it's this very raw process of just laying stuff out to see how it's going to sound, you know. And then you add harmonies and, you know, uh, sometimes you add too much. There can be such a good a thing as too many good ideas. Yeah. So what this demonstrates is, you know, how to be judicious and how to pick the right things, and that's you know
0: the artistry and what they do. For sure. And after that, you picked "Touch Me, I'm Sick." It's a actually a Sonic Youth cover right. of "Touch Me, I'm Sick," the Mud Honey song. It's a split twelve inch where they each covered each other's songs. Yeah. So, do you remember a band called
1: Archers of Loaf?
0: Yes, I love. Them. I love yeah. Archers of
1: Loaf. Yeah, um, and I was lucky enough to see them play with Mud Honey at Maxwell's. Oh wow! And it was just tremendous show. I mean, it was packed to the rafters, but the sound was incredible. And you know, you just can't encapsulate the sound of that time and the feeling of that time uh, any better, I think, than that song.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then we're wrapping it up with. A uh, song from the new Stephen Malkmus record <laughs> that came out earlier this year. It's a great record. It's really one of my favorite of his solo records, I'd say. He yeah. really outdid himself. And did, did you have any song in particular? Yeah, I like songs Middle songs? America. Yeah, the single. It's a yeah, great, it's really a great single, awesome yeah. song. I my agree
1: completely. best friend turned me on to that. And, you know, it's whenever Malkmus does a record, it just reminds you of Payment, obviously, all the time. But. Um, you know, he's just got
0: his own style. What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. All right, here we go with Lenny's picks. We've got Teenage Fan Club, Metal Baby, XTC, demo version of Like That of I'd Like That. Sonic Youth covering Touch Me, I'm Sick by Mud Honey, and Middle America by Steven Malcolmus and the Jicks off of his new record Sparkle Hard. Hey, we'll be back in a little bit. Enjoy these tens Oh no. Oh no. There we go. <laughs>
2: may be called I like that in A. <laughs>
0: All right, Lenny, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure having you. You've got your memoir coming out next year, you were telling me.
1: I do. I do. I've been working on it for a long time. And just about when I was about to let it go, uh, my good friend Heather came up and said, do you realize there's still a lot of mistakes in here? <laughs> She's a copy editor. Yeah. So yes, very so soon.
0: Next year. And if you want Lenny's album, What If the Sun, along with stuff by RZA, Jennifer Convertible, his Solo album is also available on all streaming platforms. Lenny, thanks so much for being here. It was thanks a so much for having me. And we're going to remember Joe Strummer today who passed away in 2003 on this date. Here's a Clash song, Career Opportunities. One of my favorites. <laughs> we'll see you Mine next too. week.
2: I used to keep you up the dock Career opportunity, the one that never knocked I hate the army and I hate the RAS I don't want to go, I'll find in the tropical years I hate the seven-sided school I won't open letter phone for you Career opportunity, the one that never knocked Every job they offer used to keep you at the dock. Gary up, you the one and never not. Enough. Every job they offer used to kick you out the door Come here, opportunity, the world had me